You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I'm still trying to get Andrew to like musical theater. (laughs) And today, we have a returning guest, one of our favorite guests... And oh my god, she has grown up right before our eyes. It has been almost a year since we've had her on, and I am always the happiest human being alive every time she can join us. It is actress, podcaster, and all around one of the greatest human beings alive, and let's just say, (laughs) Kim and Miss Saigon, it is Rachel Chan! Hello, thank you for having me back. Yay! I've literally been back three times now. You guys not tired of me? No! <laughs> Two more times you get the cheese. Yeah, I come on. Two more times you get the cheese. Okay, yes, I'm working up to it. You're almost in the five timers club. Like, I can't believe like, like three times is not enough to be one of the top running guests. <laughs> we we like Brent too much. <laughs> Brent has been on like. Seven I'm taking you down, times. Brent. I'm taking you down. Adam Walker. If he gets to 10, does he get more? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what you get for 10. It can't be more cheese. It's got to be something different. But you will get something for 10. <laughs> uh, Adam Walker is close behind Brent. Um, but Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Rachel, how are you doing today? We're so happy to have you. I'm doing well. It's like pretty early here in Singapore, but I got up for you guys because, you know, yes. you're worth it. So yes. It is <laughs> 7 at night right now, which means it is 7 in the morning for you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. I was up at 6.30. I was like, gotta get in the zone. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Six in the morning, my zone is in bed. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she'll probably have a more functioning brain than us, because honestly, my brain is kind of in the dumpster at this point of night. <laughs> Already? Very good. <laughs> yes, yes. How, wait, how late do you stay up? Um... You like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. The Olympics have been happening, and last night I stayed up to watch the USA Gymnastics women's team final, and I was up till like three after all the drama that happened. So, yeah, and you still got up for our dumbasses, and I still got up for you. And my mom literally was like, You need to go to bed because you're doing the podcast tomorrow, uh, Musicals with Cheese. So, (laughs) go to bed. She's like our biggest fan, she is your biggest fan. She always listens to these. She's like, This is so good, and I'm like, Yeah, (laughs) what's your mom's name, Serene. Serene Hi, Chan. Serene. We're, we're so happy you're listening. Your daughter is lovely. Thank you for raising such a great, great young woman. I'm glad you like our show so much. <laughs> there we are. Um, you know what? We should actually talk about a show that's all about parental relationships with kids and kids and all that. So, Rachel, you've basically called dibs on this show since the first time you were on. Why don't you mm-hmm. introduce what we're about to talk about? So we're about to talk about the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which is a musical about a 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. And it goes through all of like these crazy twists and it's amazing. It's like just the most genius piece of work. I agree. Um, Cue the music, Brie! Am I fight? But I like competition. So Strofsky's schematic. In these can you feel our pain? Somebody spell crayon. Crayon. Life is random and unfair. Life is pandemonium. 
The 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee is a musical with music by William Finn and lyrics by William Finn and a book by Rachel Scheinkin um, based on Crepscule by Rebecca Feldman. Um, it premiered in the Circle in the Square Theater on April 15, 2005, directed by James Lapine, and it closed January 20, 2008, after 1,136 performances and 21 previews. It was nominated for six Tony Awards, winning only two, Best Book for Rachel Scheinkin and Best Featured Actor for Dan Fogler, who you may remember as, um, what's-his-nuts in <laughs> the Fantastic what? Beast movie, um, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob in the Fantastic Beast movies, or, uh, Mr. Bungie from, uh, A New Brain, the, uh, Encore Survival. Um, the plot of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelly Bee is the tale of several socially awkward youngsters finding joy, heartache, and a purpose in competing at the regional spelling bee. It features a score by William Finn and a book by Rachel Scheinkin. Um, also, I'm going to throw this in there as a talking point for later. In April of 2021, Walt Disney Pictures announced plan to de plans to develop a film adaptation of the musical to be produced by Dan Lynn and Jonathan Elrich through their Rideback Banner. I don't like that, but we'll talk about that more. Um, so I don't know if it would work as a movie. I don't think it would work from Disney. Um, oh. Ooh. Yeah, I don't like that. But Rachel, what is your history with the show? Um, so I actually was supposed to perform this show um, with my school. And because of COVID, obviously, that didn't happen, which is mm -hmm. really sa sad. But I was supposed to play Rona Lisa Peretti, which is hilarious. Because whenever I tell people that I'm supposed to be in the show, they're like, oh, are you Marcy Park? And I'm like, hmm. You racist. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was the oldest of my class, so that's why. Um, and yeah, I love this show. I think ever since I, because I got to know it through the script and through actually getting it on its feet and everything like that. And I just thought it was so genius from the get-go. It's brilliant and hilarious. And I love that no two performances of it are exactly the same. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's got the joy of improv and like the love and heart of any other of William Finn's musicals. Um, mm -hmm. It is brilliant, but Andrew, you just watched this earlier today. What is your thought? Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I mean, it's got a lot going for it. I love the um, like multi-character aspect of it, where there's not really one like one character that has a good arc. There's like a bunch of small arcs on a bunch of different characters. I love the framing device of you know they're just at a spelling bee, and everything that's happening is at a spelling bee. And, you know, like, they even go, like, they never stop. It's always, like, here's your word, and then every every single part of it is, is at the spelling bee. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I'm going to say something that might be controversial. I think this is a faultless show. I don't think there is a single thing wrong with this show. I think it is wow. perfect for like high schools, it is perfect for college. There is no way to do the show badly. If you've got great singers, it'll sell. If you got bad singers, the character work will sell. There is no <laughs> way to do this show really that badly. But actually this show is deceivingly hard. Like when you oh, watch I it, it. Yeah, when you watch it being done really well by, you know, amazing cast of like professional people, it's amazing. But the music by William Finn is ridiculous like it's so difficult and challenging mm -hmm. um and all of it is a masterpiece but in order to actually 
pull it off, you have to be an incredible actor and singer. It's, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> because it's a lot of character work and then performing in that character. Um, yep, yep. I don't think I'd ever want to play bar- Barfy because, like, just doing that voice and, like, keeping it consistent and then singing and all, ugh. Yeah, and also on top of that, you have the added element of it being so much improv and being able yes. to actually flow with the show and flow with the audience members that are on stage. It's it's so difficult to pull off, and I have massive respect for any of the actors who have ever been in the show because it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Like, when it all comes together, it's magic. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it's fell, fallen apart in many productions before. <laughs> um, I will... You also have to remember how to spell all those words. I mean, <laughs> Can you imagine if you got it wrong words? and then you just messed up the entire plot point? Like they have to sing you off because <laughs> you've gotten it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but they would probably just say you got it right no matter what. Like, no, they, w- <laughs> they can't. They really can't. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they can't. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. It's like in the there's a lot of notes from William Finn in the script. I'm sure Rachel knows this um, mm-hmm. or James Lapine and all the writers and all that um, about how it's to be done and what effects it should be done. I also like that it never it, it is appropriate for kids mostly and it never talks down to kids. Um, it feels like that kind of show. It's. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to, like, pick apart it a little bit, and I'm really not getting there. And for context, I did not show Andrew the original Broadway cast video. I found a really good college production that had a wow. few mess-ups, some really good people plants or people pulled from the audience. Um, and I w- think that this show works best when it isn't, like, a professional group, but it is kind of, like, a group of people that kind of know each other. It is a high school group. Like, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure um, the kid that played Barfy, his dad was pulled up as one of it, and they kept saying, like, this is a distant relative to Barfy, and then everyone, it, like, the kid broke on stage a little bit and couldn't, like, keep a smile from his face. <laughs> so who is... Who is pulled from the audience? It's just any of the, like, contestants that aren't actual characters, basically, or... Rachel, you'd probably know better than this, considering you were prepping it. Um, it depends on the production. Mm -hmm. So I believe in the Broadway production, they had, like, some sort of survey or way to put in your name for it in the lobby. And then it was actually, like, random people Mm -hmm. um but from production to production yeah the director chooses sometimes they have plants sometimes they have like ensemble members that didn't like if you're doing a school production for example and there's not enough roles uh, a few times they'll choose to do that but it's most fun when it's actual people who have no idea what they're doing and um yeah you can see it like in pandemonium stuff it's just absolutely hilarious so Mm -hmm. yeah is that why some of the people got really, really easy words? Like, that wasn't just a joke. That was to make sure that they didn't get out at that time. Yes. yes. But then there's yeah. some people <laughs> that will still get them wrong because they overthink it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then they, they got to just like, play uh, that off. Yeah. They have to They have to really flow. So there's, like, a couple different ways that it could go. And um, they sing a different thing every time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. They have to, like, flow with each other as a cast because if they're singing the wrong thing, it, like, doesn't work. Yeah. Um, mm. like, l- there are a lot of also, when the show was on Broadway, there was a lot of celebrities that would get pulled up. I think most famously, this is also the first time Julie Andrews had, this is her Broadway debut after Victor Victoria, where she was <laughs> brought on to be a spelling contestant, and she spelt supercalifragilisticexpialidocious incorrectly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, for the That's Kids Night one. Show. 
but she literally invented that word, kind of. She popularized it. That's so funny. She didn't. Maybe she didn't invent the spelling. No. Um, but also in Andrew's production, there was a great moment where I believe it was an English teacher, like one of the school's English teachers, that was brought on and kept getting the words right. Um, and by the time she kept getting it right, so they sent her back and then they brought her right back up and she got the next <laughs> word right. She did this four times in a row and the actress playing Rona, because she has to say like something interesting about them every time, she's like, she needs to get this word right so the plot can continue. So the plot can continue. And they just gave her a nonsense word. And when they asked for definitions, they said no and... <laughs> like that is the joy of this show mm-hmm. it's hilarious yeah so it's not possible for you to actually win the spelling bee sadly no <laughs> <laughs> why would you want to it's a great show why ruin the show by having like uncle dan win well i want to see the the level of improv they can go to to make all of their characters lose and i win <laughs> <laughs> Um, how about we talk about those characters? That's a great transition. Um, Rachel, why don't you run through all the character lists for us and we can kind of like dive into them. Oh my gosh, you are putting me on the spot. There's a lot of characters in Spelling Bee. It's one of the shows that has like an infinite amount of principal characters that play a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. I think the first character that's introduced to us is Rona Lisa Peretti. Yes. Um, And she's like, you know, the head of Spelling Bee and she won it when she was younger. And then there's Vice Principal Douglas Panch and Mitch Mahoney and Oliver Ostrovsky, William Barfay, Barfay. Logan Schwartz and Grubinier, Marcy Park, <laughs> Leaf Coney Bear, and Chip Tolentino. Yeah, and they all play different people in the um, show as it goes out, mm-hmm. goes on. Now, which <laughs> character do you think you relate to the most? Ooh, I didn't know you're gonna hit me with the hard question so early on. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm an intense interviewer. Just call me Robert Frost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I get... They're all very intense people. I would say I'm a little bit more chill. I'm a bit more chill than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I'm very much of a Marcy Park. I'm not that much of like a, you know, overachiever. I would mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe Logan. Maybe. But I don't really have like overbearing parents either. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew, what about you? I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer here. <laughs> um, I don't think I remember all the names, but the the one with the magic foot is. Part of <laughs> I, I can feel, I can feel it. I can understand that. <laughs> I think I'm low gain. I, can... I know for a fact I'm low gain. Uh, oh. <laughs> Which one was that? Um, the one with the lisp that had the big frizzy hair or the braided yellow hair. Uh, the really okay. intense one with the two gay dads. Yeah, with dads. the gay dads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me. Uh, that was me in high school. I was very, very intense. There was an expectation that I always had to succeed. Um, oh, and gosh. I did not like it at all. And now I never succeeded anything. Just like Marcy. I learned that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I just fail at everything and I'm happy. That's more Chip Tolentino, isn't it? Oh my well, god! Well, he's I... not happy though. No, I mean, depending on what you mean by happy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> <But> bam! <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this show because 
it's a, a view of the social outcast without framing any one of them as outcasted. It's like mm. an outcast among outcasts. <laughs> um, there's yeah. not a cool kid. It's like the smartest kids, the weirdest kids all together. And they are all equally weird in very different ways. Now, who is the least likable character? Ooh. Ooh. Now you're posing the hard questions. Um, Ooh, that's hard. Vice principal. <laughs> He's just trying his no, best. No, not, not the... <laughs> Not the not the adult characters in in the spelling bee. Um, Contestants. That's hard because I'd say I think Chip because he's just like you know, getting ogling a girl in the audience that didn't ask for it. But yeah, I was gonna say that too. Like, okay, having an unfortunate erection that is relatable is it? And that's understandable. Is it? Yes, it is absolutely. Um, but. You know, tuck it in you your waistband and call it a day, my friend. You just live <laughs> with it. You walk up, you're proud, and you spell the word. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! 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 You know, what? I'm gonna what? say he's wearing pants. <laughs> I think my least favorite spelling contestant is Barfay, just because. He's so mean. I know that he has a lot of layers to him. I think that's one of the beautiful things about the show mm. that the writers really developed each character and they all have such like a vibrant background. It's it's insane how well developed all these characters are. But yeah, Barfay is so mean. I can't take it in the beginning. He's mean as a defense mechanism. <laughs> yeah, I, it honestly feels like he's mean before the other people can be because yeah. he it, that's what it feels like. And mm -hmm. it's it's not me defending him. <laughs> But that's, I also I like I like that he's cocky, but he's cocky because he knows that he could be wrong. You know, mm. I love the answer to like I know, like when he says they say that he's right, it's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you love cocky people, which is why I am surprised you you do this with me every week, and I am because I hate cockiness. I actively think it is not a good character trait. Cockiness is a very good character trait if it's done. For the right reasons. Elaborate on that. If you're actually correct and you know you're correct, it's okay to be cocky about being correct. I think modesty is a virtue. I agree. Modesty <laughs> modesty is fine, but if you're being modest just because it gets you social points, then are you really even being modest? What the fuck does that mean? Social if you points. Go up and, if you go up and you're like, man, I spelled that word correctly, uh, but then they're like, yeah, you spelled that word correctly, and you're like... Oh, did I? Oh, man. Uh, I guess a lucky guess. <laughs> like, come on. What the you're just being no, an that's being cocky being in asshole. a different way. Yeah, yeah it's that's different. being modest. That's being modest no, when you know that you're right. You if can you be... know you're right, you say you know you're right. Rachel, what do you have and to whether say? Whether or not that's cocky. Whatever. I mean, I think there's a difference between cockiness and being like proud of yourself, right? Like, you can be like, yes, I got that right. Like, I'm so glad. But if you're being cocky is the next level. So it's like the end of the spectrum. But okay, then also the if you're like olive and a barfy. Yeah. If you're like selling yourself short, that's not great. But if you're like out there just pretending that you're perfect, that's also not great. You know, you got to find a good sincere middle. You have to be sincere about it, I think, for it to work. Yeah. And then you think about Barfy, who, in the end, finished 42nd. Um, uh, spoilers, he does win, but he finishes 42nd in the National Spelling Bee. So he really has no right to be as cocky as he is. Mm -hmm. He won, though, does he? Does he not? 
Yeah, but that's the regional. National, he didn't. He was no Aquila well, in the he, B, let me tell you that. Maybe he wasn't as cocky at the Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Olive. I also like his, I like his uh, having a, a special way to spell things and then realizing that he doesn't need it. That's a I good art. Mm, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. Um, I, I don't dislike Barfy. Um, I just think hockiness isn't the greatest virtue to have, nor something to respect all the time. Um, let's talk about Olive. Knowing um, smile. <laughs> um, who is probably my favorite character um, in the show. Um, the one that breaks my heart into itty bitty pieces and the only one with multiple songs, despite in both those songs not being the only one that sings. I love Olive. I think her entire arc from the beginning to the end is so... Um, it's so rich. Like, I don't know how the actress does it every night because especially once they hit all of the emotional, like, points of I Love You song, it's just exquisite and, like, magical. And I think she's also one of the most interesting characters to play with. Like, there's so many different things that you can do with her and make your own. And um, I love Olive as a character. I think she's really, really interesting to follow throughout the show. And I love that she's a little bit more low-key in the beginning and then, you know, she comes full force. Um, so, yeah. She's incredible. Um, yeah, what do you think, Andrew? Um, just to make sure I'm getting, because I'm not great with names. This is the character that, like, their father can't come or something, and the mother is off you know, yes. somewhere else? Okay. Yeah, yeah she's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I was really expecting her to win, because it felt like she was, like, the emotional core of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that they would have her win it, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's talk about how her story ends in different versions. Um, Rachel, do you know anything about this? I act I know that there are different endings, but I'm not sure exactly what they are. Okay. Like, I've not seen enough productions to know. Um, so let's just say in normal productions, and this is the one that is currently out, released by MTI, there are these alternate choices you can make, but this is the one that they recommend the most. Here's how it ends. Um, so basically, at the end, everyone gets up and they're like, this is what happened to us in the future. Where are they now? And everyone's like, oh, Leaf Coney Bear has cats and all that. Um, and hers is like, oh, I, um, what is it? Olive drove home with her dad who came a little later and she couldn't stop talking about how much fun she had at the spelling bee. And then she decided that she would become a news reporter and interview this person that would come in second in every production and she or in any future like spelling bee. And she helped Barfy learn all the words and she made a new friend and she loves life. That is the one in the current version of MTI. Then there is an alternate, more honest one in my opinion where she returned to an empty house with nothing but her dictionary with a with a sullen and new view on life and that was mm -hmm. the end of it um and that might be a little strange because that is the last one you hear and then they're like at the 25th annual so the one that me and andrew watched um and this is i think is a good compromise and i think works keeps the part where it's like she came home to an empty house with nothing but her dictionary and then added the part where it's like but she went got older and she interviews all the things and has her own news radio store show where she interviews the person that comes in second every year at the spelling bee mm -hmm. um 
They, though we also kept the part where she's friends with Barfy now. Yeah, well, Barfy says it in that version and not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it isn't mm-hmm. added to hers. I think that's the best compromise between them all, but there is some notes on what other stuff happens after the show that is not in the show, like that Rona adopts Olive. Fun fact, guys. <laughs> um, and that um, she and Barfy end up very, very close friends, <laughs> even into their so- adult life. Is her dad, like, dead? No, her dad is just kind of mean. Like, the exact lines are, yeah. I think he takes out on me the things he wishes he could take out on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It's an abusive household for numerous reasons. It kind of reminds me of, mm-hmm. like, like Matilda. You know, at the end of Matilda, when she's like, adopt me to... um. I Miss can't Honey. remember her name. Yeah, Miss Honey. And then Miss Honey's like, yes, I will adopt you. Because she is, yeah, it's like an interesting um, arc. It, it reminds me of, it, it, they remind me of each other. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you think is the best ending between those three choices? Yeah, so I think in the production so you- that I was supposed to do, it, I had the, like, me- mix, mishmash, <laughs> mishmash ending. And I think that, yeah, that's a pretty good compromise because if you go one way, it's like really, really, really sad. Um, And it kind of leaves like a bad taste in everybody's mouth, right? When they leave, it's like, oh, I just watched this glorious, hilarious show, but now I can't stop thinking about Olive being like this poor little girl that's all alone. But then I think the other one is too, like, it's too, what's idealistic? Is that the word? You know, it's 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 too positive, especially after that I love you song. Yeah. Yeah, the dad showing up, like actually showing up, doesn't even really make sense to me. It feels like it's ignoring the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, um, but it was. Although I, I feel like her not being friends with Barthy and everything is is sad too. I don't know. I thought that was also part of the ending. Like, it's always mentioned in Barfy's part. Let me just say that it's always it in, is always mentioned there. Yeah, okay. it's always mentioned that he helped her, like there. Well, she helped she him. She helped him, yeah. But yeah, after the B, Rona Lisa Peretti adopts Olive, and then her name becomes Olive Peretti. And yeah, um, it's interesting. And also, there are also writings that she marries Barfay. I just checked the uh, fandom page for this. That might be a little far. Yeah. Yeah, that's a far... <laughs> yeah. I feel like that that, that enters that's fan like a, fiction territory. Yeah, that's that's like a step, a step beyond. Like, I, I don't know if we need that. <laughs> um, yeah, but Olive is probably the emotional core of this, where Barfy is probably the, mm, the the closest thing to a villain, maybe. Mm-hmm. I thought Chip was the villain. Chip? Chip's just kind of... Yeah. A, maybe you just relate to Barfy too much, where it's like, man, this guy's mean to the only character I like, man. <laughs> no, Chip was just a jerk. And then he actually gets it wrong, and he's, he gets all mad about it. And it's like, dude, you just had an erection, my man. Like, come on, chill out. <laughs> but his, I mean, he does bring us one of the has best. One too, I'm sure. Oh, no! Oh, no! no! <laughs> You're not wrong, but stop. <laughs> He's never been that close to Rona before. No. Yikes. <laughs> what were you saying, Rachel? No, I was gonna. I was just saying that. Um, yeah, but Chip's whole arc brings us one of the best songs of the musical. So it's like one of my favorite male solos ever. My unfortunate erection. Yeah, I love it. It's hilarious really? to me. Okay, I think it's we're not, hilarious. 
It is funny. It is funny, but also I'm just thinking there's candy going out into the audience. Um, and for the kids' version, they change it to My Unfortunate Distraction, which sucks a lot. Yeah. Kids need to know about this stuff. They're going to have to deal with it in like five years. It's not like they say something vulgar like, okay, I'm not giving examples, but they, they, they keep it clinical in the description. Kids don't know what an erection is, so it wouldn't be funny to them. Yeah, that's the real problem. To me, yeah. that's not untrue. But they're th- the thing is, he's throwing candy into the audience during that song, so there's that element for the kids. Yeah, they don't need to get it. Yeah, because there's they candy being candy. thrown at them. Yeah, like what's what's the big deal? I agree. Um, I don't love that song. I mean, it's not a bad song, and I I just. There's so many good songs in this show that that kind of falls to the bottom. So, I still have questions here because I didn't know that this was, like, improvised at all. You didn't tell me until, like, right now. So, what happens if the contestants are, like, really good and none of them get it get them wrong early on? You You saw what happens. They'll just keep on going and then sometimes they'll do a word that doesn't exist. Um, sometimes they'll trick you where they'll do something like there... And whatever there you... And then they, no matter what, they can exactly. say it's wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a lot of tricks Although if like you that. ask them to use it in a sentence, they you couldn't. They, there is a... Like, they'll write oh, they a could sentence. Use all, yes. They could use all of the versions in a sentence. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's a lot of ways around that. So is it structured in a way where the first goodbye song and the second goodbye song, like, those have to be some in a particular spot? No. So, like, those people have to get it wrong? That's or? actually uh, a reason why they don't put the song list in the playbill, too. Yeah. Mm. There's there's an ideal order um, mm-hmm. from, yeah, from the script. So, basically, they give you all of the goodbyes, and depending on when everything happens, they have, like, some sort of way to indicate which one they're going for. Um, but, yeah, there's an ideal one, which is why we see them give, like, a really, really, really easy word or, like, a really, really, really hard word. Obviously, if there are, like, super spellers in the audience that come up and nail everything, then, yeah, they do the whole, like... We need to get the plot moving. Can you please not get this correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny, which is always a funny, and it always kind of brings the audience in on the joke. It never feels like that it's an inside joke that the audience isn't in on. Um, and it's great at a school when they bring, like, teachers up. I feel like that always kind of works. Mm-hmm. Wait, so actually what happens if one of the people, the actual characters, spells it wrong? Um, I don't think they do that because they're professional actors and they're... What if they're not? What if they're college students? College (laughs) students are professional trained actors. They're good at memorizing lines and what are letters but lines? Okay. So those are scripted uh, words. I I knew some of the words were scripted because they were related to the songs, but I wasn't sure if all of them were. Any of them given to an actor is a scripted line. Yeah, and there's okay. also like a little um, collection of words and definitions that in, in the back with like jokes that go with them because all of mm-hmm. the definitions, if like you catch on, are like hilarious. Um, yeah. And yeah, so there there's a bunch of them in the back. And then there's also, I don't know if they do this for the Broadway production, but definitely for amateur productions, they have a list of things because you know when um, Rona has the contestants come up, then she'll like insult them or say something that's funny about them. And there's a list of things that you can say. So it'll be like, for a bald person, and then like 
an insult or like a way that you can read them um yeah and so it just helps the actors out a little bit because if they have if they're not amazing at improv it could go really wrong um gives them a bit of a guideline yeah question um are the actors that play rona and the vice principal allowed to have like little sheets of paper with the words on them and like improvise alts on there because they do have little bits that can look at Mm -hmm. I think for most amateur productions, they allow it. I don't know if the Broadway production did um, or like the off-Broadway production did because they're professional. So maybe they have it all in their brain. That would be crazy. Yeah. I feel like (laughs) if I were to direct this play for kids, um, which I've wanted to do, I almost did it a couple times, but it just fell through. um, I would put in like adult actors in those two roles and keep the kids as kids because I think that's funner. Mm-hmm. Um, has that I don't think that's been done because usually they're like oh just keep the kids on stage don't make the adults act <laughs> <laughs> I mean it would make sense and it would actually look like an actual spelling bee too mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the design of the original production which was done at the Circle in the Square Theater which is in the round where they just turned like the actual Circle in the Square Theater into like gym bleachers and they made the floor look like a gym floor and (laughs) it was great. Um, Kudos to them for doing that and making that come alive really, really well. Mm -hmm. I think if anyone does this, try to make it feel like a real spelling bee as much as you can. Yeah. Well, that is the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, I'm going to ask you to put your director's hat on. If you had to cast us, the three of us, um, it was supposed to be four, but Bree's not here, and the spelling bee characters, how would you do it? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I mean, Andrew's definitely Barfay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, either, I'm either that or the one that doesn't think they're smart. Oh, I Leaf? think those are the two characters I could play. Leaf is hilarious. I love Leaf. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, I feel like you could, yeah, you could be a Leaf. You could also be a gender-bent Loghain. I would, I would want to see it. I would really want to see it. Bree... I hope you'll forgive me, America! <laughs> so this is your audition. <laughs> Any casting directors doing the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, listen to this, please. And you know what? All male Jessica. production. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, oh no. boy. Oh, no, don't do that. Um, Bree, I'm very it. curious how you'd cast Bree. Uh, Bree. I think Olive, just because I think she'd be able to pull it off. You know, she has the bit, like, like the quiet, like strong presence oh my god i would literally brie has like one of the most beautiful singing voices i've ever heard right next to yours rachel i swear if i heard her sing the i love you song i would cry i would like oh my literally tears (laughs) down my eyes sob we're a brie fan club yeah i i mean i am the brie fan club like you actually rachel you (laughs) want to join the brie fan club uh, i'll join i'll join yes maybe if you become a patron she'll uh she'll sing it for you Man, do I have to become a patron of her? You have to become a patron to uh, get her to sing it. I mean, okay. And Rachel, how would you cast yourself? Oh, that's hard. <clears throat> I would love to play Olive because she's just, I mean, yeah, like you said, she's the emotional heart of the show. Mm-hmm. But I would also, I, I wouldn't mind doing a good Marcy Park. I don't know if I can belt it like that. But yes, Marcy Park is obviously the, she, she's the obvious choice for me, I think, for a a lot of reasons. 
I mean, yeah, but I, I, I honestly, I didn't see you as Marcy is a thing. Like, I'm. She's a little hard, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm a bit softer than her. I just think you have more of a stage presence, and I feel like she kind of gets shafted. She just sits there and isn't given much to do for most of it. She gets her one song yeah. and then loses. She talks to Jesus and loses. Which is hilarious <laughs> because her her song is one of the most oversung songs of all musical theater girls. Like it's so done and people do it all the time. And Why is that? It's not even one of the best songs in the show, which is crazy. Is it I don't know. It's one of the few female solos. Yeah, and it's also a huge challenge, and it sits comfortably in most mezzo-soprano ranges, I would say. Like, you got to be a belter, but it's it's pretty accessible, I guess. It's just hard to pull off because if you're not able to do all of the fluff that she's singing about, it doesn't come across. The The good thing about the, the song is that, you know, she has, like, so many things to play with and, like, ways to make it her own. And I think, um, yeah, it, it doesn't come across when people stand and sing, so. Yeah. Oh my god, have we been talking for 40 minutes? I think it's time for us to hear what other people think, Jess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was just enjoying what we were talking about, and then I was like, fuck, has it been 40 minutes? Um, how about we hear what other people think that aren't us and compare our opinions to the New York theater critics? It's time for a preview. It's time for previews. It's time for previews. So the New York Times critic Charles Isherwood said of the original Broadway production and the long exhausting reality show formerly known as Life, which can be traversed with the aid of TiVo, there are peaks and there are valleys. Qualifying as traditional high points are wedding and children's birthdays, career triumphs, the day you brought home jeans, actually flatter. Adolescence in its entirety is generally considered prime valley material. And I agree with that. Like, that, that I, I really thought that summed up the show. I didn't really want to go into his opinion because he's just glowing as much as we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think that kind of sums up what the message of the show is. Um, and honestly, I don't care what the critics say about this show. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I know this. You're not going to have your mind changed I'm by the I'm really critics. not. Like, this is one of my top three favorite musicals of all time. Wow. That, That's um, high. It, I mean, do you blame me? Like, this show is that good. I can... It's never the same. You will always have a good time. And no matter what kind of production it's going to be, it's probably going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten to go on stage, though, Jess? No. Um, actually, Andrew, can I tell you a story um, that was going to happen and the reason why it took us so long to talk about this episode? Oh, really? So a lot what of my have? friends um, were about to be in a production of Spelling Bee last... October, so it's coming up on a year. And I was going to try to arrange it so you'd be down here and then force you to go on stage and spell. And that would have been... Oh, we should have both went up on stage. Uh, that would have been great. It would have been. And I would have had enough <laughs> friends in the cast to make sure it would have happened. Mm -hmm. um, so I then COVID hit and that didn't obviously happen. And I'm really, really sad because I m missed all my friends doing that and they would have been amazing. Relatable. Um, <laughs> I get that. Um, and I just think that that would have been the best way for Andrew to experience the show. And I'm a little sad that isn't the way it turned out. He had to watch a very good college production. You know what, though? Yeah, Andrew, we can still maybe make it happen one day. at some point. Andrew's going to make it a full-on competition. He's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go see Spelling Bee. It's time to actually look up all of these words and like practice my 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 spelling. Oh, I wouldn't like, tell the him way... before we got there, Rachel. He, he was like, he was like, yeah, we should have both gone up because he knew that he, he was like, I'm going to beat, beat me. So. 
I beat. Um, he, he, can I tell my stupid spelling bee story? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Um, there was. I think it had to be third or fourth grade. Um, it was a spelling bee contest across every other grade. Um, and it was like in each class. So each class kind of had to go up. And if you got one wrong, you got eliminated. Um, I was the last one left in my class, and there was about 15 people from each of the other classes, and I beat them all. That was my one claim to fame. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, that, that's actually impressive. Yeah, that was a really cool moment for me, like little fourth grade me looking I like a fucking care badass. About, I don't care about any of your other achievements. The way that we're going to introduce you now is... Um, spelling bee champion. One over fifteen of his classmates in a third grade spelling bee. That's no, your no, no. biggest achievement. No, 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 it was it was every grade. It was, he was the only one left. Every grade, and I was the only one left in my specific classroom. So wow. I was up against every single one. So it was like forty to fifty people. Okay, and that, you weren't that's in the highest deal. grade either. You were in like one of the lower ones. I was in mid range, fourth grade, and the highest I went to six because it was a K to six. <laughs> Is this Those in your sixth CV? Graders, got beaten by a fourth grader <laughs> <laughs> and that fourth grader looks like me <laughs> that's, Damn. that's the most embarrassing did part. you use the magic foot <laughs> no i just actually studied for my spelling test and didn't forget them was it luck or was it skill because you know spelling it's the best spellers luck. don't always necessarily win no i think it was just luck to be honest and i was the that's only the one that cared <laughs> That's the thing with a spelling bee. Like, you could just get unlucky and get a really hard word that no one knows, but you're the only one who gets put out because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but then I actually it was a real chip to- chip moment because the next year, like, I was heralded as a champion and I got out on an easy word. So it happens. Oof. Oof. That uh, that erection really did <laughs> <you> in. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, let's go into a mid show <laughs> announcement. <laughs> Andrew, do you got any New Year's resolutions? Well, I've been trying to bulk up a little bit. I think I might be hitting the gym. I don't know. What about you? I just know for a fact, or there's only one place you should be looking at to get a high-protein, good-calorie diet, and that's Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and the cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered where, Andrew? Right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and of course, protein first, which is just what you're looking for, right, Andrew? Oh, absolutely, and I really appreciate how you forced the pun in even more this month than the last one. Well, I don't know if there's any facts or fiction here, but it sounds like we got a lot coming up. Um, Forget the frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up with fast, restaurant-quality meals, all delivered, where, Andrew? Right to your door. Uh, To my door, absolutely, yep. I mean, that is where I want them. But it's not just, like, quick and easy solutions. They're also a great special occasion meal. I know you and your girlfriend don't go out to restaurants as much. Imagine having just a restaurant coming to you and you having date night right at home. You know, she'd really appreciate that once in a while, I think. But not only do they offer fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook, they will also help you stay on top of those goals to bulk up, Andrew. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, you can stay on track. 
And you know what? That's going to get pretty handy in your New Year goals. Am I right, Andrew? You know, it is sounding pretty good, but where would I go to get this? Well, you would head to factormeals.com slash musicals50 and use code musicals50 to get 50% off. That code, musicals50, at factorsmeal.com slash musicals50 to get 50% off. I mean, by the end of this year, thanks to Factor, you're going to be ripped. You're going to be looking like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They're going to call him Dwayne the Pebble Johnson next to you. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait for that. Maybe I'll get to be in Moana 2. You'll you'll be in Moana 3 and 4, thanks to Factor. (laughs) So, go to factormeals.com, kids, and get your 50% off deal. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we've got a show at you. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Now, Patreon is this wonderful place where you get lots of free shit from us. Well, not free, pay for it. I gotta stop saying that. Um, (laughs) It's not free if you have to pay. It is not free if you have to pay. You make a good point there, Andrew. But you get a lot of cool shit from us is the better way to say. Um, You get to hang out with us once a month and play games. I'm hoping that Rachel might join us. Um, for the next one if she if she's available because we'd love it when she hangs out with us i will i'll be there oh hell yeah um i'll give you dates after <laughs> this um also you could see rachel's wonderful pretty face um who just sneezed right off microphone and it was the cutest thing you can watch thing. me sneeze you can watch <laughs> me watch her sneeze watch me sneeze too probably um actually i see you right on the tip of her lips i just see her wanting to say join their patreon she just wants to say it exactly took the words right out of my mouth i mean she just really wants to say it herself Give these people your money. Join their Patreon. <laughs> I got to say it! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Oh, I love you so much, Rachel. <laughs> um, but our current patrons are Melissa Goldman, Terry Needleman, John Donna, Leighton Eccles, Danielle Rennix, Jessica Sampedi, and Cassidy, Taskier, Fire, September, Veronica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Nathaniel, Stacey Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Carrie Ahern, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanells, Heck You, I Go By Elijah Now, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Andrew Van Barson, Tubble Am, Kyle Summers, Jen AC, Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, Felice R, Liz Lim, Allison Stellar, nothing is certain except Beth and taxes. John Vanals, Thesbian, Ren Cullen, Wait in the Wings, Spectacle Machine, Jacob Stroop, Raphael Martinez, Salaz, Robert Benjamin, Richel T, Jessica T, Genevieve Hartnett, Cass, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Timothy Keys, Je- uh, Jeffrey Machado, Jacuse, Toon Vanessen, R. Elliott, Chris Marcotte, Katie Turberg, Mimu, Kiji Marie Anastasio, Layla, RJ Norija, Sebastian Canino, or Cinemageddon Reviews, and Avin Reagan. They give us a little financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. Like these very bright lights pointed at me and it let me buy this beautiful sign and set up this whole goddamn studio that I'm in and you are not seeing because you're not on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Every time you do that, it impresses me. Out. You like it? Yeah, like I come on here and then I just wait for you to do it. I'm like, he's rapping. It's a rap. You should be in Hamilton. Uh, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> don't say. No, that. no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Wait, please don't cancel me. I I know the importance of the casting in Hamilton. Please. I mean, I could be King George, so I'll I'll, I'll put that caveat. I I could be King George in Hamilton. 
Exactly. There you go. Um, <laughs> are we ready to get back to the show? A wrap. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we are. Let's get back to yeah. it. <laughs> Andrew, do you got any New Year's resolutions? Well, I've been trying to bulk up a little bit. I think I might be hitting the gym. I don't know. What about you? I just know for a fact, or there's only one place you should be looking at to get a high-protein, good-calorie diet, and that's Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, the prep work, and the cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted dietitian-approved meals delivered, where, Andrew? Right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and, of course, protein first, which is just what you're looking for, right, Andrew? Oh, absolutely, and I really appreciate how you forced the pun in even more this month than the last one. Well, I don't know if there's any facts or fiction here, but it sounds like we got a lot coming up. Um, forget the frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up with fast, restaurant-quality meals, all delivered, where, Andrew? Right to your door. Uh, to my door, absolutely, yep. I mean, that is where I want them. But it's not just, like, quick and easy solutions. They're also a great special occasion meal. I know you and your girlfriend don't go out to restaurants as much. Imagine having just a restaurant coming to you and you having date night right at home. You know, she'd really appreciate that once in a while, I think. But not only do they offer fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook, they will also help you stay on top of those goals to bulk up, Andrew. With offerings like Protein Plus and Keto, you can stay on track. And you know what? That's going to get pretty handy in your New Year goals. Am I right, Andrew? You know, it is sounding pretty good, but where would I go to get this? Well, you would head to factormeals.com slash musicals50 and use code musicals50 to get 50% off. That code, musicals50, at factorsmeal.com slash musicals50 to get 50% off. I mean, by the end of this year, thanks to Factor, you're going to be ripped. You're going to be looking like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They're going to call him Dwayne the Pebble Johnson next to you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Maybe I'll get to be in Moana, too. You'll, you'll be in Moana 3 and 4, thanks to Factor. <laughs> so go to factormeals.com, kids, and get your 50% off deal. At the 25th annual, we've memorized the manual about how to spell these words, words that require thought. People think we're automatons, but that is exactly what we're not. We hear the word, we breathe, we wait. an image or idea to think so that opening number which repeats a couple times uh the 25th annual putnam county spelling bee is an interesting opening number because it doesn't introduce much outside the bee that's all it's there for you introduce the spelling bee i mean the kids are introduced physically but we don't learn anything about them they just come in and they sing about the bee itself which well, the most important thing about them at the beginning of the show is that they're in a spelling bee. So we're introducing that. 
What do you think, Rachel? Well, I think it's... I I think they really tried to balance, yeah, setting up the scene, which is the most important thing, because if you're not acquainted with the environment that they're in, then the show doesn't really work. Um, But I also love that, I mean, even though they just briefly introduce each of the characters, they all have like their signature line or something that shows a little Mm -hmm. bit of personality before we delve into it. And I think it's great because they don't over explain all of the characters in their background. They're not like, oh, wait, here's like everything about this character ever. We sort of get to discover it slowly throughout the show after seeing their initial, like the initial way that they come off. So it's it's very, um, I think it sets up the story pretty well. I actually really enjoy the song. Mm -hmm. I am a little off-put with the opening with Rona every time, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the album where it's like, Miss Peretti, your word is. And I'm like, ah, I just <laughs> want to get into the fun yucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew, could you tell that this was William Finn? And I know you're bad with names, so let me just start listing some other of his musicals because this is the most unlike him. Um, we've got Falsettos, A New Brain, In Trousers, does this feel in any way in line with those? I feel like musically it does actually, but subject matter wise, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, would you but, have been able to tell without me explaining that to you right now? Um, no, I'm not really great with like picking out a composer or something like that. But knowing it, I'm not surprised necessarily. It's not like, oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it sounds like him. Yeah, and yeah. he hasn't done anything like this before or after. This is like the big, big different thing in the middle of his career. And I think yeah. it's his best work. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, this is like the best thing he's done. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually like a big fan of falsettos. Um, and when I was getting into the show, I didn't look up or research anything about it first. Like I listened to it and I just kept listening to it on repeat. And I was like, why does this feel so familiar? Like so many of the orchestrations, so many of the little like musical bits. I was like, this just feels so familiar. And then I realized that it felt like falsettos. A lot of like the um, musical lines and things like that reflect a lot of how he writes. And then I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's written by the same person. Like, yeah, I think it I, it sounds like him a lot. But yeah, subject matter, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Still, I think it's his best work as a, a musician. Also because he kind of like was a hired hand for this. <laughs> um, I remember oh, really? the book writer describing like, because this started as an improv game, basically between this like improv troupe in a New York comedy troupe called The Barn. Um, and they just kind of were like, "What? Well, let's play around with Spelling Bee. And that's a fun place to like have some improvisational games. And then that it, it expanded into a written play with some improvisational elements. And then James mm-hmm. Lapine came in and was like, you know what? There, there's a musical here. Can I just take this and kind of expand upon it? And the book writer was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I, like he's like I'm gonna try to get with James Lapine do you mind showing him like your video version of this and sitting with him and seeing it and she's like yeah of course and then she sits with James Lapine or w- with William Finn who is a grumpy old man let's never forget that um, and he's like alright let's take a look I fell asleep five minutes in and then at the end of it she wakes him up and he's like yeah I'll do it and <laughs> then here we are <laughs> Which I think is just a charming story, which sums up the bastion insanity that is William Finn. Wow. Fell asleep for the source material. Still makes it his best work. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know, kids, kids spelling shit. I don't know. He's like a <laughs> yeah, much angrier, it. more bitter Sondheim. He fell asleep, and as he was sleeping, he thought of every song in the show. <sighs> he did it in his sleep. He literally dreamed all the songs, and he was like, ah, I just gotta write these down. <laughs> I love you. I love you. <laughs> and that's how he sings, right? Like, 100%. Definitely. <laughs> Let's talk Probably? about... Probably? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let's talk about my friend the dictionary, which is very cute. I love this song. I love my dictionary, and I love the indented border. Every word's in alphabetical order. Ergo, lost things always can be found. And I wrap my head around the fact that in one book is the entire language of our species, which is a favorite term of Nietzsche's, who's the great-grandfather of Christina Ricci's. <laughs> yes, I joke, but the words in the dictionary are the friends that I'll have forever, more than the friends I have made in school. I, I, I want to talk about it specifically about how it shows Olive as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, she is very much a kid in the classic way where she overshares weird things, goes on to tangents. It is very, it feels real. All the kids feel real, but there's specific things about her here where I'm like, oh, I knew this girl. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Would you read a dictionary on the toilet? Uh... What if it's the only book in the house? Mm. Definitely didn't have a parent in the house. No cell phone, only dictionary. Only dictionary. I I guess. I'm reading it. It's all in alphabetical order, (laughs) so all lost things can be found. Um, I I don't know. Like, that feels like such an older older man thing to write. (laughs) Like, that feels like, man, that's a boomer idea to read something on the toilet. I I mean, don't don't kids... I just read my phone. (laughs) I just watch TikTok dances. TikTok on my phone. I mean, I mean no, reading the dictionary on the toilet is a totally understandable thing for her to do. I actually don't look at things on your phone because that's how you get pink eye, guys. Like that's a that's a health tip from good old Jess right here. Um, wow. Don't use your phone on the toilet, <laughs> guys. Pink eye, it's not even real. Your eyes already pink. Look at it. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to give actual advice, and Andrew's here being like alt right bullshit. Oh come on. <laughs> yeah. So if if you know someone that brings their phone to the toilet, give them a hard stare. Oh. I feel called out now. Oh, do you do you look at your phone on your toilet? Yeah. How do you not? That's my How do you not do that? Bring a book. You bring a dictionary. Just 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 cooks Thank dinner Thank and eats that. it on the toilet. That's how he avoids. Uh, that's how he avoids looking at his that phone. That is disgusting. <laughs> oh no. Jess is like, don't look at your phone. Just cook up some some pasta or something and bring it in with you. <laughs> I mean, in one end, out the other end. I mean, girls are a little different. I don't know. Um, 
The girls. What are you talking about, Jess? Girls have to sit down, so it makes sense that they're their PM. They might look through like uh, Twitter or something for a couple. Does that seconds. make it less likely yeah. for them to get pink eye? I don't know. That was your initial point. I don't think that's true. I th- I think it's slightly less likely that they'll get pink eye from that. Just you are literally not making any sense, and this is probably sexist somehow. I don't even know. Wait, are, <laughs> so are you saying that there are some people? Like guys that stand and look at their phone, like uh, stand what? to to like stand to pee and look at their phone at the same time. Because I think that's obviously like not the right thing to do. But if you're like if you sit to pee, then yes, looking at your phone is not. An issue. I never suggest. I feel like, if you st- I feel like there's a danger danger phone. zone if you're gonna drop that thing if you're standing. To be honest. Just what do you what do you even know about it? <laughs> okay, right now? if you're standing to pee and you've got your phone in your hand, like, and I, I'm worried it. you drop that thing in the toilet. Like you wouldn't drop a dictionary in the toilet if you were standing and reading it. <laughs> <laughs> so I really like the song "My Friend the Dictionary." <laughs> I can't wait for Bree to cut this out. Um, don't cut it out, Bree. It's hilarious. I'll be mad. Bree's gonna keep it in, and actually, that's the only thing that's staying. This, in. this is episode's the... gonna be five minutes long. This episode. <laughs> this is, is when everybody five... clicks off. They're like, it's time to click off now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Rachel no, Chan's back. Ha- they always have the best discussions about like you oh, know what's happening, culture, and <laughs> all that. And then they're like, uh, do you do you bring your phone to the toilet with you? <laughs> How do you stand and look at your phone at the same time? Will you get pink eye? Find out in this episode. Oh god! I I mean it is common. Uh, I, I just do what Shrek does, okay? You read the book and then you rip out one of the pages, and that's <laughs> you like your body. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, the, the dictionary. <laughs> All the D's are gone. Gotta go on to the E. <laughs> Dictionary is not going to last very long, I don't think. <laughs> That's why she has to read it. She has to memorize it before she uses the pages, you know? It's a strategy. Oh, because their dad doesn't buy toilet paper because he's a dead I won't buy any toilet paper. She's a neglected child. You don't deserve toilet paper. You went off to the Ganges. <laughs> Meanwhile, he has luxury toilet paper in his master I've got bedroom. Bounty. Charmin. They got the bears on it. <laughs> Your little bathroom, you got nothing. You ain't got nothing, little little olive. Named after a fucking thing you put in our martinis. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, it's it's time. We're moving on. You know it's what? time. Maybe I'm not that smart. And that's why I relate so much to that song. I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart. My siblings have been telling me that for years. That I'm not smart. We're schooled at home, they see who's bright It breaks my heart, I'm not that smart Guess what, you know what, guess what I have a gentle personality Which you'll all agree is anathema to my more aggressive family Everyone keeps swatting Dumb kid Everyone keeps yelling Dumb kid How could a flea such as me think he'd be good at spelling? How? I don't know. I feel bad for for this guy. (laughs) Leave Coney Bear? He seems happy. Why do you feel bad? 
because he doesn't think he's smart, and it turns out he's 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 okay. I mean, he spells more words right than I could. Um, he keeps getting like the African rodents, which is fascinating. It's very... <laughs> yeah, I love. I mean, this he song. even he even makes that comment. <laughs> I relate to this song because I don't think I'm particularly smart, and then something will happen. I'm like where I beat like fifty other kids at the spelling bee, and then maybe I am smart. And then you lose again because you got a horrible erection <laughs> the next year. Leaf has terrible imposter syndrome, like to the point where he truly like believes it. You know, like he deserves. I mean, doesn't really deserve. I mean, he to be is an imposter, it. though. He d- he literally didn't win his uh, his area. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, he can kind of keep up. He made it quite far into the B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel good. I th- I was kind of hoping he was gonna win. <laughs> He was the underdog pick. Um, Who did you think was going to win at the beginning, Andrew? I didn't really know because you don't get to know the characters until the story progresses. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you get to know Leafy the earliest, so I was hoping it was him. Is his name Leaf? Leaf. Leaf. Not Leafy. I love that you called him Leafy Coney Bear. (laughs) <laughs> and then he, yeah. then fucking you know Chip's like ogling his sister in the audience. Yeah, Chip yeah. is. Uh, I knew Chip was gonna lose. Chip's got that locker room talk going on. He's he's not a good dude. He's a bad hombre. I feel like they they made the character that you would least expect to win win just so like no one would be right. Maybe, but he gets a lot of development, so I don't even know if he's the least suspected. Um, I mean, at the beginning, though, he's just, like, a mean nerd who you, like, are ready for the takedown. You're ready for, like, the not-as-smart person to beat him, you know? (laughs) Man, um, the nerd gets the girl in the end, as weird as that is. As always. I don't like that. But I really like I'm not that smart. I don't like that, he says. (laughs) I don't like that, but I really like the... I mean, the real question is if... if, is it unexpected if it's so unexpected that it's done because it's unexpected? Yes. <laughs> Jesse's like, what? Um, you know, like, if, if they're intentionally trying to do the unexpected thing and everybody knows that it's going to happen because it's the most unexpected thing, then is it unexpected? Well, by rules of reverse psychology, you'd have to say no. But if you use reverse reverse psychology, then it actually would be yes, because they're expecting you to do the most unexpected thing. And then they're like, well, the most unexpected thing would not be the most unexpected thing because then it mm-hmm. would be expected. But actually, you do the most unexpected thing. And then they're like, oh, shoot, they actually did the most unexpected thing. So if you do the most, but if you do the most <laughs> expected thing, then is that technically the unexpected thing? Because nobody expects you to do the most no, no, expected thing. No, no, because they're expecting you to try to subvert the unexpected thing by doing the most expected thing. Ah, uh, yes. I mean... <laughs> you know people pay so us to make this insightful commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see how long that would go back and forth. If you didn't step in, we would be here for like another hour and a half, just going back and forth. <laughs> I'm not that smart. Magic Foot, Andrew, it's your favorite character and he gets his own song about his foot. Magic Foot! Write the letter. Magic Foot! Write the 
poison platter, a magic floor. It's an alphabet away to spell. Okay, let's see what we got here, folks. H-A-S-E-N Parson P-F-E-F-F This is Quentin Tarantino's yeah. favorite song. Tell us about it. Man, I love feet. Um, this song is about a magic foot. It's really great. <laughs> Thanks, Quentin. I'm glad you left your review. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> this song's fine. Honestly, I wasn't that impressed with this song. I did. I, I mean, I like the the like story beat and everything, but this song is like not that memorable i really love the choreography with it um especially with the kids in the bleachers i know i don't tend to talk about choreography unless it's like really this the choreography in this musical is an understated kind of expression of adolescence where it is awkward and it's i feel like bob fossey ruined choreography for like many years um where it just kind of always had to be like sexy and hip thrusty and this is just like awkward leg movements and like looking it's the way kids kind of think dancing is which i think is very quaint very adorable and very effective um Mm -hmm. and i don't think i've seen anything like that since come from away more recently yes come from away is amazing um yeah i love the choreography in the show as well um just because I think it does enough to keep the audience engaged, mm-hmm. but it still is very, like, realistic. It's the kind of that heightened reality, but it doesn't take it too far. Like, they're not doing kickball changes and crazy leaps or anything. They're just being themselves. And I think it's interesting how the choreography lets them explore their character through movement even more. Mm-hmm. And let's talk yeah. about Dan Fogler, who originated the role of Barfay and is a great improvisational comedian, one of the most talented Broadway actors to come into the business. I wish he would come back to Broadway more more because he's very good. But again, he's got that movie career of his that he needs to get off the ground doing oh, yeah. the fucking the, 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 the crimes of J.K. Rowling movies. Can you blame him? He chose money over theater. Don't forget Balls of Fury. <laughs> yeah, he did do that too. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, but he saw like all the techniques that actual spelling bee people would use, which is like the writing it on the arm or the whispering into their hand. And he's like, what would be the most show-offy, most extravagant version of that? And he'd be like literally dancing and spelling it out on the ground. And he thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And that is a thing that has <laughs> stayed in since his original improvisational idea that he would literally dance out the words with his foot. Um, well, it's literally his character arc now, or at least one of his character arcs, where it's like, now he, he has to learn that he doesn't need to spell it out with his foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty fun. I think the song is, I agree, it's musically kind of one of the like, oh, it's just a repetitive thing, but... Yeah. and. I, I just tend to not really love it when someone with a lisp is forced to say a lot of S's. Um, I think it just triggers me back to the music man, um, and I don't like being triggered back to the music man. 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fun number for the cast and everything, but by the end of the show, you're kind of you don't really remember. Um, so that's how you kind of know that it's not one of the best songs. It is. It is really fun though. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Um. Let's talk about my unfortunate erection. Anyone for brownies? Anyone for chocolate chips? Anyone for anything that isn't dated? How could I have been eliminated? You want to know how? You want to know how? You want to know why? My unfortunate erection is destroying my perfection. It is my recollection that everything I once did, I did perfectly. Last year's champ defeated because of Marigold Coney Bear. Because there's something and not a thing between us. I don't blame my brain, but I do blame my penis. I know you guys now, I know, I now know you guys hate it. What? I, I love this song. I didn't okay, you don't hate it. You don't hate good. it. You don't hate it. You just don't love it. Yeah. I love it. I really love this song. I It's one of the only songs that I can listen to like on repeat when I was really in deep with this show. I, I would just like, I think also the way that they execute it is hilarious. Um, so yeah, I love it. And um, it especially musically, I think it challenges um, mm-hmm. the singer a lot, especially in the last like 16 bars. It's all belty and like really amazing to listen to once they hit it. So that's why I love it. And I think it's hilarious. I think the lyrics are just very, very cleverly written. I, I agree. The lyrics are very, very good here. This is one of the few songs where the lyrics are the big thing that stands out as opposed to like the musicality and like the harmonies yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is fair. And it's not something I particularly considered. And But I still can't say I'll, I re-listen to this one the most. But I get why you do, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And live, I'm sure the song is a riot. Yeah. Especially when you have, like, younger guys that are actually going through it, I think. Because, um, yeah, it, it's it's hilarious when you know the person and you're watching them do it. And it's, yeah, it's a riot. Uh, Rachel, forgive me for asking this question while in your presence. Um, oh, boy. But if you weren't here, I would 100% ask Andrew this question. Did you ever it's have, okay. like unfortunate erection occurrences while you were in school what (laughs) that doesn't make any sense (laughs) have you ever been in that situation where it's like you're just kind of daydreaming in the middle of class and the teacher's like stand up for your presentation mr dwarf and you're like i can't i i i I can't okay so it's you're asking me then that makes a little more sense i'm asking you okay I just uh, felt yeah, weird asking while Rachel was here because I would, if it was just a normal episode, I'd 100% just ask the, you. The way you were saying it made it sound like you thought it was weird because you were asking No, her. no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm asking in front weird. of her is okay. the weird part. Yeah, I mean, of course. How do you deal with I mean, it? I mean, when you're growing up, I mean, I already said how you deal with it. You stand up <laughs> strong and confident and you spell the word and you sit back down. <laughs> with your dick. Spell with your dick. I'm Look, sorry, I can only spell thing, with an erection. I took four Viagra. The thing that high school freshmen need to learn is that their dick is way too small. No one can see it. Doesn't matter how hard it is. I'm sorry. It's too, like, no one knows. Nobody knows. What? It's too small. Huh? What? 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 <laughs> That's what I'm saying. 
Okay, well, I'll just tell like a little story as a side note here. I guess okay, it's kind of no. relevant because um, <laughs> uh, I'm playing, Christian by the Borle, way, they all know. <laughs> Christian Borle during the um, Falsetto's Tony Award performance yes. had an unfortunate erection. And no, it was I, Andrew Rannells. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Andrew Rannells, and it's like one of the best moments ever. You can just see them having so much fun. And because Falsetto's, you know, is the sister show of this. So, so much fun. So much. Andrew Rails having a little too much fun of me. Extreme amounts of fun happening. You know, you know, but he took my advice. He, he stood up strong and confident and he, he just started going. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I couldn't. I feel like I'm an adult. Like, I, I tuck it down your pants and go on with your life, my dude. Yeah. How lost into uh, like Jess, Mary you Gold? realize they can people can still see it when you tuck it down your pants, right? What about up your pant your your waistband? I mean, then they can definitely see it. How tight are your pants? Dude, I wear stretchy pants, you know, super tight. <laughs> so it's like literally just like an arm. I'm sorry, Rachel. Let's move on to the next quiet song. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make this awkward. Am I, is it working? Uh, this is. Woe is me. <laughs> Rachel's not coming back. She needs the cheese. No cheese is worth this. I like. Never mind about the cheese, guys. It's fine. <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. Man, it's they don't good. talk like this at Miss Saigon. I'll tell you that. Uh, well, that's another conversation we'll have after this recording. Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What was me? Low gain song. Though I practice yoga, I don't breathe. I try not to. Point, but still I did not point the dad who my friend the mock. Kids are mean, kids will talk. All my so-called friends roll their eyes, they're incredibly petty. Because my dads are my dads, and alright enough already. Woe is me! Woe is me! Which is why I got a winded spelling bee. I love it. This song's great, and I love how kind of dissonant it is. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to talk about these shows well, where it's like every character has their own moment because you never want to skip over anyone. But here they're just all so good. Also different, too. Yeah. Um, and I feel the pressure from her parents at all times where she has this anxiety. She's like reverse Marcy in a way where Marcy's just good at everything. Like, I yeah. feel like the pressure Marcy applies is applied by herself, where Loghain probably wouldn't give a shit about being in the B unless her parents forced her to be. I think one of my favorite things about this song is that musically, it is so well written that it makes you feel the way that Loghain feels inside. Like, yes. even with the orchestration in the beginning, I can't listen to the song, like, in the car or casually because it stresses me out. And that just tells me that, like, it translates the way that she feels and how she is, um, you know, how she's processing everything so well. And, um, yeah, I think that's, like, the mark of a brilliant musical theater song that it really shows exactly how she's feeling, not just lyrically, but also in the music. And um, it makes you kind of empathize with that as you're listening to it. I agree. Andrew, yeah. what are your thoughts? I don't think I can add anything more of value there. Got it. Yeah. You're being lazy. That All right. Let's talk it. about I speak what six you, languages. To excel in athletics is not difficult if one has the temperament. Apparently, I have the temperament. Yes, I score some goals. 
I play Mozart more? Okay. Um, I, we went over this a lot um, earlier, so we're kind of just going to glance over it a bit. Um, we didn't really cover what a physical like kind of requirement the song needs. You need mm-hmm. to basically be an acrobat and someone that can pronounce everything in any language very well and in mm-hmm. tune. Um, yeah. I get why it's a big song in auditions. Yeah, actors that play Marcy Park have to be incredibly versatile and skilled. Like, she does so much in that song, and to be able to segment it all in a way that's digestible for the audience, I think, is really, really difficult. Um, because even though it is a lot and it's supposed to feel like a lot, the audience still has to be able to grasp it in a way that um, is palatable, I guess. So the in the way that she has to be good at everything actually has to come across. And yeah, I think all Marcy Parks have to be at least a little bit actually Marcy Park in real life to pull off this song. Mm-hmm. Which is both great and unfortunate because I feel like mm-hmm. Marcy Park has it rough, which is why I nearly started sobbing when she said that she was happy in the end. Yeah. <laughs> that line always tends to sneak up on me and I forget it exists. This is the one where uh, where Jesus comes down. Is, is that No, this is the this right, right after this. Right after this is when that happens. Okay. Yeah, this is where she gets like, oh, Marcy speaks five languages. She's like, no, I speak six languages and I don't sleep. Yeah, this is when she is talking about all of her overachievements. I guess I kind of lumped those two together because they're like back to back. Yeah, it's all about that character. And it's really her only moment to shine because she really doesn't do much up to before this, which is tragic because she is interesting. I like the I like the moral of uh, giving up is actually good if you're sometimes you just have to give up. <laughs> if it yeah. doesn't bring bring you happiness to do the best, why do it? Yeah. Exactly. Which is why when she says she's happy at the end, it's so beautiful. It's so good. Yeah. Um last song I want to talk about today. Um and it's the my favorite song in the show, the I love you song just rip my heart out and tear it into bits and then play those harmonies over my grade grave um so flipping good your sadness filled my room dear if you should feel my gloom blame it on me blame it on your daddily and mammally strong song um honestly when i heard this one i really thought i really thought they were gonna have her win i i guess that's what that's what they were doing they were setting you up just to knock you down andrew they did the unexpected choice 
even though are I are we gonna expecting... fall into that loop again? Let's not do that. No, no, no. <laughs> but this is a very good one. Um, it almost makes me wish there was more of the Olive character, like earlier on. But mm-hmm. even without that, it's still really strong. She's fairly present in the early parts. Like, she sings about her dictionary. We learn a lot about she can't even pay That's the true. admission fee. Like, there's a, a lot of sprinklings about her life before then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the, the first half, they have more comic relief characters around to yeah. kind of dull in it. But you got the sense of the darkness in Olive's life early on. What do you think, Rachel? I think... I Love You song is one of the best 11 o'clock numbers there is. It's, like, brilliant. And musically, it sounds amazing. I love that it's not um, very generic. Like, I mean, in the beginning it is a little bit because it's supposed to bring you on this sort of, like, oh, she's imagining this, like, it's not real. But um, the arc that it goes through, especially during the bridge, is, like, just incredible. And not to plug myself or anything, but there is a video of me singing this on my channel on YouTube. And, I like, singing this song is one of the most difficult things but the most rewarding things like when you hit those harmonies it sounds just incredible your sadness filled our room dear if you should feel my gloom blame it on me blame it on your daddily and mamily cause depression that they like sync up the definition of the word and the start of the song yeah uh, what was it chimerical yeah it means like like imaginary yeah. or something like that yeah now here's where i want to get introspective and the, the and this is the one i want to spend the most time talking about what does this song mean um specifically i mean i get it like she's kind of venting about her parents and all that like but is the world that she's imagining where her parents love her really like kind of how she's experiencing it, a weird kind of love, or is it what she wishes she had? It's what she wishes she had. That's why she's imagining it and it's highly improbable mm-hmm. or illusionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's like the most the most heartbreaking part of this song in a lot of staging stagings of it is when um at the end like her parents will put their hands on her shoulders and then they'll rip them away at the Mm -hmm. very end and that just like it it breaks me it really shows that like that's what she always wanted and that's like her idealistic life but it's just never gonna happen and that's why it's so heartbreaking it's also also with this song you realize that william finn was actually he was writing about the same thing he always writes about parental issues he had to put it in there at least once he's like here take this it's like like, you know have you ever thought about putting daddy issues in (laughs) 
They're like, no, we didn't really consider it. Well, it's, it's in there now. It's in there now. <laughs> you know what? People really like the song, and we're off. Do it here. Um, I think the song is absolutely incredible, and it also shows that Olive is asking for the bare minimum out of her parents, that they love her, which is the reason why that ending where it's like, oh, her dad picked her up and she couldn't stop talking about the bee really feels mm. like a lie. It undervalues what this song represents. For sure. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go listen to this song 300 times as sung by Rachel Chan, as we just heard, because that was gorgeous. Am uh... I right? It was beautiful. Um, one of the best interpretations of the song, and all of you should go send Rachel some love on the tweet twats. Uh, let's talk about pandemonium really quick before we wrap up. Please spell telephone. Oh, my oh, my. That was so Sonic. Spell hospital. Oh, come what? on. That is why I despise this game. Hospital. That is correct. Life is random and unfair. Life is pandemonium. Devil a caucus. That's the reason we despair. Life is pandemonium. Life is pandemonium. I love Pandemonium. I can't believe you guys don't like any of the songs that I like. <laughs> I love Pandemonium. It's just as a transition song. It's not a bad song. It's it is, so but effective. It, it's the most. It's the most fun that they have as a cast all together. And also, there is the hilarious like choreography with the audience and throwing them in and making them part of the dance number, which I think is mm. like just one of the most <laughs> fun. Like if you were in the audience watching it live, it would be an absolute riot. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with how good you kind of cast, like, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Like, Mitch is an understated character that needs to be so flippin' good. Yeah, like, yeah. It may, it's a deceptively difficult role. I agree. He has so much improv work. It's, like, yeah. so difficult. Yeah. And we should also... It also is kind of racially dicey. Um... Andrew, you probably won't get this from the version we watched because they kind of altered the character in most re- more recent versions. But mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a stereotype of um, a white person's interpretation of ghetto behavior. Yeah. Oh. Like, mm. like even in the mm. album, when they introduce them, it's like Mitch Mahoney. And they just do that again. It's really, really rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that in more recent versions, they're kind of doing different things with it. And the version we had, we had Michelle Mahoney and they called her Mitch and she was just kind of a girl that found out she liked doing this. And I thought that was much more effective than what, what was originally there, which was slightly offensive. Mm -hmm. More than slightly. If you probably ask someone that isn't me too. (laughs) Um, just wanted to bring that up there because that that just sprung into my head when I was thinking about this. Wow, way to okay. end on a high note there, wow, Jess. You really, <laughs> you, you really brought it down. You huh? really, really decided, man. That that's where we're ending things. This aren't is the we? important thing to talk about. Yes. You know how to end it? Racism. 
Nice. You know, I went full William Finn on it. I, I slid in the things that, you know, you don't expect and kind of bums you out right before yeah. the unexpected, end. Unexpected the expected when you should have expected it. Man, how unexpected. Everybody, everyone listening to this got the bad ending. <laughs> this is the bad ending. This is the bad ending. I'm really sorry, guys. You didn't luck out today. Yeah, you Oof. didn't look out. You got you got the sad version. Oh, on that, yeah. It was all chuckles and laughs until the end where Olive went to the home and found racism. <laughs> what do we think of the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee and our cheese ratings? Andrew, you're up first. Oh, boy. Um, this was really good. Uh, I really recommend it. I don't think there's that many more ways to say that. Uh... <laughs> check it out uh i'm gonna give it and this is like the most boring thing i could give it but i thought it was funny uh during the one we watched one of the really easy words they gave was just cow so i'm gonna give it cow cheese that's it wow didn't even try all right rachel you're up what was your overall thoughts and your cheese rating as we've literally said for the last hour and a half, I absolutely love this show. Um, and I think it's definitely an experience. Like if you can see it live, that's the best way to go watch it. Um, I really appreciate everything that they've done in it. And yeah, it is one of those like really flawless, incredible pieces of art. And my cheese rating is a really good burrata. Is that, I don't know, is that how you say it? You know, like the super luscious, yummy, um, gooey pieces of cheese because this show is exactly that. You bite into it and then there's so much more to discover about it and everything. It's like super, super rich in um, development and it's just one of those shows that is so yummy and I love it. So, yes. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree with that entirely. This is a perfect thing in and of itself and it is different in every version but it's always great this show is very hard to mess up and also at the same time very hard to really do great um it is everything you would want at a night at a theater it is fun it is a joyous laughter it breaks your heart it gives you every emotion you could possibly want in a way where it never feels overbearing but it never feels tacky um I, there was nothing I could change about the show that would improve it. There's not a thing that really to say negative about it aside from, you know, the down ending I kind of threw out there at the end. My bad. Mm -hmm. um, but that was something that needed to be brought up a little bit. Um, th and a little bit of stereotype work, but that's not my place to talk about that either. Um, but my cheese rating can only be, um, and this is from an artesian cheesery, it is olive cheddar cheese um, from Renard's Artisan che Cheese. Um, and it is a mild that combines the saltiness of green olives with the fruitful taste of black olives. It looks beautiful plated on a charcuterie board, perfectly served on a melted top of toast baguette. That's all well and good, Jess, but you just gave it cheddar cheese. No, I gave it olive cheddar! Because <laughs> <laughs> She's a character in the musical! Yeah. Still adds to your cheddar count. Andrew, are you really in the place to be calling him out on this when you gave cow cheese as your rating? I, it's not cheddar. Cow cheese? It's not cheddar. <laughs> Juliet, you should shame Andrew. You put, put in the... Oh yeah, shame me when Jess is giving it cheddar for oh the 80th time. <laughs> oh my god. You know what, Rachel? 
I'm so glad you hang out with us idiots. Like, oh my I'm god. I'm glad too. <laughs> I hope you actually enjoy hanging out with us and it's not just like, man. Oh, I hope your mom isn't back, like, huh? oh, oh, this was, maybe I shouldn't have been excited. Oh, my mom's going to definitely enjoy this one, you know, with all the talk about not peeing with your phone on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? what? <laughs> nope, no. Um, <laughs> Jess was like, nope, Jess was like nope, ready to get it. back into it. He was like, no. I still have more to say on this topic. Don't do it. <laughs> I was just going to talk directly to your mom. I would, you know what, Rachel? When this episode drops, can we please get your mom's review of it? Like, I yes, would be yes. very happy. I would like to know what, she, like, bit by bit, like, man, you can get pink eye if you use your phone. <laughs> You know what, though? She always tells me not to use my phone on the toilet. So maybe she'll be a bigger fan of you. She always tells me that. She always says, leave your phone outside the door when you go into the toilet. You always, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's the question. Uh, nope, nope, nope. But go back into it. Another really thing that we're gotta, very big advocates your phone. for is... You have to wash your phone with Yeah, hand. that's kind of the thing. I, it's okay if you wash your phone or sanitize your phone with your hands. It also depends on your order. Um, what kind of what kind of phone do you use? That, I mean, I have an iPhone, but like, is it that waterproof that you're going to be running it under tap water? Yeah, it's water resistant. You can throw it underwater. Yeah, it can survive but, two meters underwater. You could always use an alcohol wipe. That is washing your phone too. Yeah, but I mean, no, my mom is a big advocate for closing the toilet lid before you flush, so she will love this conversation. Oh yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I do, I do the same. I agree too. Um, yeah. If you don't do that, you're nasty. Also, flush every time. I, 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 I'm not, I'm, I don't believe in that save water shit. I don't want to see your pee when I left the toilet seat. I'm sorry. Yes. Did we talk Dude, more about spelling that, bee this episode or toilets? There are people that don't flush every time. What the fuck? Y- y- let me just say. I've never heard of this. Yes. Is this a Detroit thing? No. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like uh, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's, yeah, brown, if it's brown, flush, flush it down. It down. Yeah. That, Can that, we write that a musical about that? Jesse, let's write That's a musical. Gross. Oh my god, will you please be in Everybody Poops the musical, Ra- Rachel? I will write this for you as y- yeah, your yeah, starring yeah. role. Like right after yes. you're done as Kim and Miss Saigon. It's like, Mup, time to do Justin Andrews musical, Everybody Poops. We're gonna win a <laughs> Tony Award for this. Um, I'll, I'll get William Finn to collaborate. He'll sleep through the pitch and then write some heartbreaking songs about daddy issues in the Everybody Poops musical. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad left because he didn't want to poop. Exactly. You wouldn't flush your poops down, and your father left us. <laughs> okay, it's time. It's time to stop. <laughs> We're done here. Thanks, filthy Frank. Rachel, please promote your stuff. Oh, every time we get to this, I don't know what to say. I don't know. You can find me at Hyper Rachel everywhere. I also now have a YouTube channel because I am going to be in Miss Saigon Vienna, which is crazy. So I'm vlogging that whole experience and hopefully, I don't know, I can enjoy that. I I don't know what I was going to say there. But yes, um, thanks for having me on again, guys. I'm very, very grateful that I got to spend the morning with you and talk about this amazing show (laughs) and also about toilets. This has been great. <laughs> Rachel, we are always so glad to have you here. You are one of our favorite guests. You were one of our earliest guests, too. And you were one of the early guests that really got the vibe of the show and really kind of gelled with us. Um, I'm so proud of everything that you've done. I'm so proud of you as a human being. I am very lucky to know you as a human. And I am very glad that you kind of like hanging, hanging out with us. Uh, sincerely, I love hanging you- out with you. 
You're going to be great. So once you're like on the level of Leia Salonga, please don't remember. Please remember us. I won't and remember talk you about, now that you said that. Please remember <laughs> us and talk about toilets more with us, please. Oh my yes, goodness. Always. Get canceled because you're like, I don't know. I use my phone on the toilet. And then everyone will be like, oh my God, Rachel Chan uses her phone on the toilet. It's insider information. You heard it here, folks. You hear it here. It'll be in timeout next week. <laughs> all right all right um thank you guys for listening we're on itunes spotify stitcher and musical switch Cheese. leave us a review let us know if you poop with a phone in your hand um we're on patreon at musicals with cheese instagram musicals with cheese youtube page musicals with cheese check out the youtube page liz Eston, our wonderful editor is making some incredible videos on there and I really think they deserve more views. It is weird that our podcast gets more downloads than we get even, like, we get a fraction of the views on YouTube that we get on our podcast. And that's weird to me. I don't know why that feels weird. <clears throat> we have a patron-only podcast, Patreon with Cheese. You gotta join the Patreon to get that, but it's worth it, I tell ya. We're, uh, you can send us an email at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card was created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Go send her some love at Jolene Casco. Our keeper of the cheese is Juliet Antonio. We love you, Juliet. Please tell shame andrew in 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 the doc um this show Jess, come on is produced by the wonderful the incredible the lovely the sadly absent brianna jones we love you brie we hope you're doing well rachel say you miss brie i miss brie she does i can see it the tears are going down her eyes unless you're on patreon you can't prove me wrong <laughs> <laughs> our theme song and our wonderful New variations were created by Robin Nash of IOU Music UK. Go check her out because she's a super talented individual who makes great things. I have no idea which theme played, but I'm sure it sounded really cool. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on our platform and for not kicking us off for talking about toilets for most of a 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee um, episode. You know. You know, Deserved. I I doubt that Rami and Karamu's podcast talked about toilets and whether you bring your phone into the toilet as much as we did, uh, or erections. You're getting something special here, really. Yeah, yeah. I really highly doubt like any of the other podcasts talk about the wacky shit we do. Um, I they mostly just interview Alex Brightman or something. <laughs> something useful to the conversation you know they like try to get like influence on like what it's like to be in a in a stage show like we have actresses on and we just find out whether they bring phones into the bathrooms with them we ask the hard-hitting investigative journalism questions um all right you guys we've reached the end of the show um we got anything else left to say go get pink eye (laughs) (laughs) rachel Thank you so much for having me. And yes, don't don't get pink eye. I'll I'll be different. Oof, unexpected. You know what? But Maybe. is it unexpected? Is it unexpected if it's expected? Oh, is it unexpected? <laughs> and here I we go. I didn't expect this. <laughs> you All right, what? it's over. Maybe get pink eye. That note. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Oh, uh, so we had bad ending, good ending. Pink and ending. Un- ending and unexpected ending. <laughs> yes. Um, hold on, Rachel. Will you, will you do me the honors of singing this with me? Um, oh God. Um, give me the cue to the "I Love You" song, and I'll join in with the harmony. All right. Oh boy. Oh boy. This isn't gonna work at all. Um. Uh, is it? I love you. All right. I love you. <laughs>
Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.